You are listening to The Depression Session at 99.1 FM Downtown Radio. Each week, we'll have a new guest tell the story of their depression. I'm your host, Laura Milkins, and thank you for joining us on The Depression Session. Just a note for my listeners, I want to make sure you understand that this is a show about depression, and some of the content can be triggering, so please take care of yourself if something on the show brings up difficult feelings, and seek professional help if you need it. Thank you. Hello and welcome to the Depression Session on Downtown Radio. Today we have with us in the studio Jorge. Jorge is an artist and designer. We'll be right back with Jorge, but first let's talk about Sensitive. So I went to a film that my boyfriend puts together these films, Dan Horner Productions, and the film he was showing was called Sensitive. And I had actually read the book years ago called The Highly Sensitive Person by Elaine Aaron and was really moved by it. It was weird because at the time I was dating this like beautiful Cuban dancer who was amazing and really, 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 really sensitive. And so he told me, you should read this book because he could tell I was sensitive too. And we had a lot of fights. We'd get into these weird arguments where we're always getting our feelings hurt. (laughs) It's kind of awful at times, actually. So he's like, read this book. And I'm like, okay, so I got the book. And I, I, I found it interesting because for him... The thing that was most illuminating about it is it really justified like him as a male being sensitive because I think maybe Cuban culture, even more than American culture, men are not supposed to be sensitive. They are not supposed to cry. They're not supposed to get over emotional and like blow their stack or be upset or actually really even say, I love you. (laughs) You know, there's a lot of pressure I think especially on men to not be sensitive, but even for women, I think there is some stigma to it. You know, there are all these things about she's being hysterical and, oh, she must be PMSing. So anyway, I read the book and the thing that was most illuminating for me wasn't that, wow, I'm sensitive and that totally explains everything. For me, it was more, wait a minute, not everybody's born like this (laughs) because it turns out that 15 to 20% of the population is born sensitive. Just in the womb, even, they can do tests and they've noticed that some people are more sensitive than others and react more to things, get more overwhelmed, get overstimulated, get upset, cry because, you know, someone kills an ant. That was me. Somebody squished an ant. <laughs> Don't kill it. I, I didn't realize that that people could have different levels of sensitivity that for one person jumping out of an airplane and going skydiving just gets them to like a comfortable level of excitement. Whereas for me, that just kills me to think about it. And that other people get overstimulated by like a flower. (laughs) And I'm the like overstimulated by a flower person. I thought that people desensitize themselves through the course of their life by over-interacting with things, you know, playing sports where they had to be really, really attentive to things, but it's actually just how we're born. There's a range of sensitivity that you're born with. And a lot of artists and musicians and poets and all of us sensitive people are born that way. So I just wanted to quote a couple of things from um, Elaine Aaron. One, your trait is normal. It's found in 15 to 20% of the population. It is innate. In fact, biologists have found it in over 100 species. In over 100 species, 15 to 20% of the population is more sensitive. Uh, You are more aware than others of subtleties. You are also more easily overwhelmed. 
This trait is not a new discovery, but it has been misunderstood. And sensitivity is valued differently in different cultures. And one of the things that Dan brought up at the movie is that in America, if a child is reluctant to join the fray or kind of stands back and watches things before jumping in. I am not the jump in the deep end of the pool person. I'm the like, get my toe wet and then an ankle and onward. That child will be labeled shy or sensitive and they it has a negative quality to it and they will have less friends than other kids. In China, the word for shy translates also to roughly good child. And children who are who sit back and observe and don't jump right in and are like overstimulated easily and more sensitive have more friends and it's considered a good quality. So it actually is a culturally assigned stigma. And I know this is like a lot of talk about sensitivity, but I feel like it directly relates for me also to depression because so much of my depression comes when I get into a situation where I'm completely overwhelmed and exhausted and can't deal with things. And there's a loss and like, like when too much in my life happens or there's too much change, that's when my depression kind of overwhelms me. It, for me, those things go hand in hand. So for any of you out there who are feeling that you are overly sensitive and people tell you, why are you crying? It's not that big a deal or whatever you hear. I just want to say again, your trait is normal. There's nothing wrong with being highly sensitive, but it's actually in some ways a great trait to have. And there are many positives for being sensitive. So today we have within the studio, Jorge. Jorge is an artist and designer. Hello, Jorge. Welcome to the depression session. Hi. What's new with you? How's your life? Uh, overwhelming, (laughs) (laughs) overwhelming, but you know, I will muddle through. Yeah. But, um, um, you know, you're just talking about sensitivity and I just, uh, I do think I'm a sensitive person. I guess I've learned to accept it so that I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing. I actually, I'm glad that I am sensitive to a lot of things. It can kind of pile on and make things um, a little overwhelming. And sometimes they can kind of, you know, lead me down some paths, like, you know, make me a little bit more depressed. Yeah. So it's connected for you too. It is. It is. And I try and keep that in mind. (laughs) But that's, you know, you know how it goes with a lot of times with depression in your mind, you know. There's nothing I should be depressed about, but, you know, the rest of your body doesn't really accept that. <laughs> <laughs> I so, feel the same way about sensitivity. It's like, I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. And my body's going, we need to leave now. There's too many people in the room and there's too much noise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's really weird because I am an extroverted person. I have to be around people. But I consider myself a shy person. Mm-hmm. I will not go up to strangers and talk to them. Uh, I'm not one to start conversations. And I just think that's so contradictory sometimes. Yeah. How have you dealt with the sensitivity? Like, how do you... Because I know I don't let mine go full bore as far as letting other people see how sensitive I am. Even though... You know, I I love these people and I I completely trust them. 
But I feel like if I let my sensitivity out, it'll be overwhelming. Like they'll be like, enough already, you know? So how do you deal with that? I have the same thing. And I actually think, I think about this. I shouldn't, you know, I don't want to blame my parents. There's, you know, they just, they were doing what they were doing. But when I would get overwhelmed and upset, they would make fun of me. Uh And so for me, if I get overwhelmed and upset, I hate to cry in front of other people. I hate to get overly emotional. Most people are like, you're so grounded. You're so upbeat. And I am. But it's because I go home and cry. I go to my car and cry. (laughs) And it's not like I I do that, you know, need to cry all the time. So there's times in my life when I have cried every day for a year. But but that there to me there's there's this really strong need to like not let anybody see it and i think it comes from that of like feeling like i might be made fun of if i get really upset it's funny that you say that because i i know my mom loves me (laughs) but i have a hard time letting her see me when i'm vulnerable or letting her see those those parts because she will joke around about it mm-hmm. and you know you can't get upset because she'll say oh I was just joking you know what's the big deal and I've tried to kind of remind her when she's being a little vulnerable hey you know like when I'm going through these things you make fun of me I just want you to think about what it would you would feel like if I made fun of you right now she didn't really get it. So. <laughs> so I do have trouble letting her see that vulnerability. I mean, I just had a big change in my um, job situation, and I didn't even mention it to her. Wow. Because I felt I was too vulnerable, and I didn't want to deal with questions, yeah. comments, criticisms. And I, I, you know, I guess that goes down a different road, too, but... Because she'll joke around and she thinks it's just joking, but it does hurt sometimes. Yeah, especially yeah. if you're sensitive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's, I found it surprising too when I realized not everybody is sensitive. Like, to, that was so foreign to me. I was like, what do you mean? I mean, it's not like I'm feeling anything that nobody else is. Well, yeah, you are. <laughs> and I'm like, what? It's good to be special. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it is. But I do have to keep that in mind sometimes because I will read into things. And I think sometimes you get stuck in that little loop where you start reading into things and you're like, what if they said that because of this? And, you know, and then you kind of feed the monster there and go down these roads when really they didn't really mean anything by it. And you're just amplifying that one thing. On that note, tell us the story of your depression. Um, (laughs) Well, I have accepted that I will have my depression with me for the rest of my life. I've experienced depression ever since I can remember. So if you can't beat it, join it. (laughs) Not really. I mean, I just feel like, okay, it's going to be a part of my life. So how am I going to deal with it. You know, I'm not going to fight it my entire life. I would be exhausted. So I've tried to learn how to deal with it. One of the ways is by being busy all the time. I can't really sleep more than... If I am in bed for over eight hours, that's a guaranteed depression for me that day. 
Hmm. I just, I can't. It, it's, I don't know if it's a physical thing that gets triggered or what. I just feel horrible the entire day. It's just, um, I can't get out of it for that day. I just learned to kind of, I don't know how healthy it is to just avoid it or try and keep myself occupied with other things. And a lot of times, you know what? It helps because sometimes it's just a matter of writing it out until you feel a little bit better. And I think that's important to kind of remember because depression is sometimes chemical in your body. There's no, nothing you did. It's not your fault. And sometimes I think you just need to some little stopgap to let you help you get through the day. And then the next day, hopefully it'll be better. And if not, you just keep going until, until you can. But, um, I have, I've been on and off medication throughout my, my life and it's helped. And I think that there are times where I really needed to do that. And there are times where I was just fine without it. Many years ago, I was on Prozac for a while and I really needed to be on it. Really, really needed to be on it. But after a while, I felt like I was going through life with a scuba suit on. It was this buffer where I wasn't feeling really sad, but I wasn't feeling happy. And I wasn't, fe- I'm just, that sensitivity was going away. And I didn't want that life. I had written out the part that was overwhelming as far as depression. And so I stopped taking the medication right before the holidays. <laughs> and my doctor freaked out. And she's like, no, you can't stop. It's the holidays. It's, it's the worst time for you to stop. And I was fine with it. I said, look, I've been depressed all my life. I know what it's like. I needed some help for a little while, but I'm done. I mean, I'm going to, I know I'm going to feel sad again. And I know I'm going to suffer from this. And I'm okay with it. I just needed some help for a little while. And and there it goes. And so I was off of antidepressants for many years. And then I had surgery. And I had my thyroid removed um, because of cancer. And wow, I didn't know how many things your thyroid actually does in your body. <laughs> I just find it fascinating. How does the brain know to code for this depression sometimes? I just think because it was, I was depressed and tired and I knew it was chemical. I knew it wasn't anything I specific. I mean, I was bummed about the cancer, but, you know, I really was lucky. I was very lucky because of, um, it was caught early and I had, incredible doctors. And I, I just felt it was chemical, completely chemical. And so I had to tell my doctor, like, really, really, I need something. And within a couple of weeks, it was, I started to feel better. And I'm pretty sure it's the medication <laughs> because I ran out for a little bit. And then I started feeling a little different. I was like, well, what is different? And I was like, oh, I've been taking that medication. I think it's really helped. Again, I know that medication is not for everyone. That was just what I used. I know I know people use a lot of different things. Sometimes you use religion to help you get through life. Sometimes you use you you lean on friends. And I I I'm not saying that I don't think I could lean on friends. I I have wonderful friends, and I know I could go to them for anything. 
But sometimes you just, you need a little bit more. Even with someone telling you, oh, it's going to be okay. Or sometimes your brain knows that, but your body doesn't. In a nutshell, that's kind of like <laughs> my depression. <laughs> Great. Thanks for sharing your story. Yeah. One of the things I've related to a lot, and, it, and it's so funny because the last two weeks, I was telling you before the show, I, I haven't felt very well the last couple mm -hmm. weeks, like physically. Mm -hmm. I, I've been taking electrolytes to go to the gym and drinking coffee, and it turns out probably that's not a good combination for me, <laughs> but it could be something else. But the repercussion of that is I've been exhausted. Yeah. And I have the same thing. I've been kind of trying to take care of myself physically by sleeping a little more, but then it does it kind of wrecks my day a little bit. Like it's if I sleep for eight hours, get up for a little while, but then don't feel good and go back to sleep for an hour. It's it gets too much sleep and my body gets set into this. Oh, we're depressed again. Uh -huh. Let's just not do anything. Yeah. But at all. Yeah. Ever again. <laughs> I, I know that's both chemical, but it's also life patterns. I'm, I'm a keep busy person. Yeah. A lot of times perforce where I just have a lot of things to do and I set really high standards for myself. So everything has to be done perfectly. So everything takes longer, yeah. but I relate to that like oversleeping and then it kind of setting you off badly. Yeah. So I just learned to not oversleep. Not that I sleep because I have sleep apnea too, so that doesn't really help. I just can't lay in bed for that. I have to do something. Even if I'm tired, I have to get up. And it's not even like, oh, I'm going to will myself to do it. It's just through the years, that's just my body has gotten used to it. It's just like, just you can't do that. And so I just I have to get up and... I think we all just try and find coping mechanisms for getting through some of these things. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love to sleep. I love to be in bed. It's I know. Lovely. It's so comforting. It's very safe. It is. But it's, <laughs> it's, it's such a double-edged sword. Like sometimes I think, oh, I wish I could just stay in bed all day. You know, oh, especially like when it's nice and cold out and you wish you could just cuddle up and then, you know, watch TV. And I just, I can't. Yeah. So it's kind of like art. <laughs> <laughs> and I, do, I can't say I never do because there are times uh, when I do but like for my mental health that's never very good yeah I mean it, and when I've been like really sick like a flu or something right. I mean it's not I I just physically can't you know I'll be really sick and oh well and I guess maybe the sickness overrides the depression or maybe I feel so sick I don't even know that I'm feeling it I just feel like when I said I know it's going to be there for my for the rest of my life it's I feel like it's always there in the background. Like, it's just that it's there always. Even when I'm happy, even when I'm mad. So sometimes the happiness overrides it. And sometimes I'm happy and sad at the same time. Which I know is, sounds contradictory, but just on a side note, I think this is funny. I think I mentioned to you before. My favorite place to cry <laughs> <laughs> is in the shower. Because <laughs> then... You know, nobody can really notice. <laughs> and your eyes don't get puffy. <laughs> Good places to cry. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but I, I do cry. And that's one thing, like, we were talking about sensitivity is, is and, and, you know, as a guy, and I did grow up in, in Mexico part, part of my life, and, and it is, guys can't cry. I mean, you just, you can't. The only time you can cry is if your parents die. And that's it. <laughs> Or your dog. Yeah. I mean, there's no other time you can cry. 
And so being a sensitive person, it was really hard to learn to keep that in and then excuse myself. <laughs> I gotta go. go. Cry. <laughs> I just, I do cry a lot, but I do hold a lot of it in. So maybe it's silent crying. <laughs> but even things like, I don't know, happy things. Christmas, if I see little kids opening presents, that makes me cry. <laughs> I just think it's like, I, I can't stand it. They're opening these presents, they're so happy, and it's just such a strong emotion for me that it, it makes me cry. That was the amazing thing to me is that it's, it's not just that it's 15 to 20% of the population, but that it's equal among men and women. 15% of men and 15, 15 to 20% of men and 15 and 20% of women, which means 20% of men are out there going, oh my God, please don't let me cry right now. Exactly. And it's funny, my friends, my male friends, my good friends, I catch those vulnerable times in their lives sometimes and you see just this this second where they allow their feelings to come through. And in a way, for me, I find it comforting. And it makes, I guess, me in a way, me closer to them because I see that, that vulnerability. And I'm glad that I, I, I was there for them or, or something like that. But it, it's, it's rare that I see my, my uh, male friends show mm-hmm. those type of emotions. And I think this is, might be true for a lot of women that I have certain male friends that when they are really down, they want to talk to me because I think they don't feel that judgment. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a couple very close male friends that when the stuff hits the fan, they're, they'll they call me up and be like, hey, I'm having a hard time. And they can cry mm-hmm. and they can really be and like think because nobody wants to have a terrible time and have anybody know it I mean I don't think I'm the only one and like I said I'm like I don't want to blame my parents but like you know I think most of us have an aversion whether it's because of kids at the schoolyard or whatever an aversion to being sensitive to crying to being upset or to being really angry either like as a woman it's almost on the other side of like being angry is a big no-no Especially in the way I grew up, it was, you know, you could, you could cry, girls cry, uh-huh. but to get furious was sort of like, and I, I have a hard time actually letting myself get angry, uh-huh. except to Cox Cable or things like that. I know. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, I find that easy. Well, I'll get like in, enraged over like some phone bell or something. <laughs> and I guess I, I say it, I, I see it as more of getting upset. I think I've only been truly angry a few times in my life. Otherwise, like I, it's too much energy yeah. for me to remain mad or, or that angry where you just get, there's been a couple times in my life where I just, I, and I believe even though at the moment it seemed I was angry at the other person, I think I was more angry at myself mm-hmm. for allowing myself to be in that situation or even, which is funny, angry at myself for letting myself get angry. Yeah. <laughs> for that situation, which is like, oh my God, it's totally not worth it. And I did anyways. But oh, I can I can get upset with the rest of them. <laughs> Especially if it's a pricing issue somewhere. <laughs> I'm like, I will get upset for 10 cents. <laughs> I'll be like, no. <laughs> the sign said this. <laughs> 
I think that those are, in a way, you know, I know that things happen to me in life that I have no control over. And I don't feel, I don't think I feel like I'm not in control. They're just things that I'm not even going to feel I'm not in control because there's no way that I could control these things. They're just, I just accept it as a, as a fact of life. And sometimes there are big injustices or they're not right. And I think that those times where I get angry, it is a release. It's kind of like I funnel all that frustration. I have worked in, in the technology field. I am a very patient person most of the time. Actually, later on, I found out it was because of a medication I was taking. Apparently, my testosterone had gone kind of really high. But I had worked on this piece of technology over about a month and every weekend I take a crack at it and I was having a hard time getting in to do something. And finally, one Saturday night, it was 90% done. And it was just this process that was taking a long time. And it was one in the morning and I thought 95% done. It'll be fine. I'll go to sleep. And so when I woke up in the morning, <laughs> it had failed yet again. Oh. It was hours and hours. I mean, it was probably 50 hours worth of work. And I turned around and asked someone for a hammer and very calmly. And I looked at, at my work area and I thought, well, I can't break my monitor because that's expensive. And I probably don't want to break my computer because I still need that. So I went to town on the keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> and this was years, years of frustration with technology and I it just kind of let it go and it went all into smashing this keyboard and when we moved a couple years later, I found a few keys that we haven't found. <laughs> I think they were behind a, uh, a bookshelf or something but but that was oh that was just so freeing, which I thought was really weird because my my mom, suffers from from depression and she would get really upset and she would break phones and dishes so sometimes we would just buy her dishes like at well back then we didn't really have dollar stores but we go somewhere cheap and buy dishes and we tell her okay you can break these and she would just break them and for me I never like I could never do that because not only did it not make me feel, I tried it once, it didn't make me feel better, and then I had a mess to clean up. So for me, it just never worked. So I was so surprised that breaking that keyboard was such a release, was such a release of all that frustration. And Yeah, and it's, it's, it's interesting because it's just feelings. We all have them. Mm -hmm. And we, in I guess it's like some way of, civilizing ourselves that we contain them so we don't hurt other people or things. Mm -hmm. We're not just constantly breaking everything in our house all the time. <laughs> but at the same time, they're just feelings and having healthy outlets for them is important. And like you made an executive decision. You're like, not the monitor, not the computer. How about this keyboard? This could just go. Uh, two bucks, you know. <laughs> yeah. So it was, I just thought it was kind of funny that, and and the couple of people watching me were just, they were just amazed. They said, you were so composed and you just went at it with that keyboard and then you were done. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, and it made me feel so much better, you know? So, uh, but I don't think being sensitive is a bad thing because 
of that time when I was on Prozac and just didn't feel anything. And I would rather feel the sadness and the bad stuff if it meant I could still feel the good stuff. And that is a perfect note to end the show. Thanks so much Mm -hmm. for being on the depression session. Well, thank you. I want to mention again that if you found some of the content of today's episode triggering, please seek professional help and call 911 if you feel like hurting yourself or others. I'm not a licensed therapist, and this show and the station are not endorsing any remedies or products. The purpose of this show is to destigmatize depression through storytelling. You can find a link to mental health services on downtownradio.org on the About KTDT page. To listen to the podcast, or if you're interested in being on the show, contact us at www.thedepressionsession.com. You've been listening to The Depression Session on Downtown Radio Tucson with music by Septa Helix. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at The Depression Session Podcast. Thank you. You're listening to KTDTLP Tucson, Downtown Radio 99.1 FM.